0: Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy.
1: Spurgeon said this, a man is known by the company he keeps as well as the company he shuns. How true. There are people who cannot be your friend and should not be your friend. We need to make friends with those who are good for us spiritually and socially, and we need to avoid those who will make us a friend of the world.
0: Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Proverbs 17:17 says a friend loves at all times, but this doesn't mean you'll always agree or get your way. So what does it mean? Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCorsi brings us to the book of Proverbs to unpack the answer with a message titled, That's What Friends Are For. Later in the broadcast, we'll tell you about a great resource that will teach you how to remain biblical and faithful even when it's challenging. You can learn more at ktt.org. But right now, let's join Philip.
1: You and I should not be surprised that the book of Proverbs, which presents itself as a manual for successful living, as wisdom that will give us skill for living, that it would address the subject of friendship and relationships. Because if you and I are to make the success of our life, you and I have got to learn how to properly relate to other people. It is a natural need for us to have friends, but I'm not sure we have natural knowledge about how to be friends. And that's why we need the instruction, the insight, the perspective of these wise writers and their writing. Well, look at our text. A friend loves at all times. There's three things here. I want you to see a circle of friendship, the character of friendship, and the constancy of friendship. Let's look at the first thought here, the circle of friendship. This text assumes, it's embedded in the thought of the text, that you and I are going to exist and extend ourselves within a circle of friends. And so this text wants us to understand what we ought to be looking for in others and what they ought to be looking for in us. What are some of the things we need to be thinking about? Well, I've got two general thoughts here I want to develop. Number one it's what I call a principle of development. And secondly, what I call a pattern of discernment. I want to talk about developing friendship and how you do that. And then I want to talk about how you need to be discerning while you develop those friendships. Let's go to Proverbs 18 verse 24. In the New King James, here's what we find. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, there's the key to developing rich and enriching friendships. If you want to have a friend, what does the text teach you? You need to be a friend. You see, we make this mistake in our relationships that we think that to have friends, it depends upon finding the right kind of person. When in reality, the book of Proverbs says it depends upon you being the right kind of person. If you're the right kind of person, the right kind of people will come to you. Which brings me to a second thought. Not only do we have a principle of development, but what I call a pattern of discernment. It needs to be said here, lest I be misunderstood, that seeking a friend is not the same as seeking to fit in with others at all costs. I'm not talking about becoming all things to all men. Changing your core commitments and your theological commitments and your values for life just to fit in. That's not what we're talking about here. When you develop a friendship, you must develop it with discernment. Because while all of us need friends, we need to understand that not everybody should be our friend and not everybody can be our friend. You and I need to be discerning because it's a flat out fact that we become like those we spend time with. And those people that we invite into our life to influence us through friendship or partnership or companionship, those people will either help us or harm us. They will either build us up or they will bring us down. They will either feed us or they will eat us alive. And Proverbs says, verse 20 of chapter 13, "'He who walks with the wise will be wise.'" but the companion of fools will be destroyed. (laughs) Okay, we need friends, and we need to be friendly to have friends, but watch who you make a friend. Are they a fool or are they wise? Are they righteous, unrighteous? Are they a friend of God or are they a friend of the world? Will they make you a friend of God or a friend of the world? Be careful. If I might put it like this, friendship is a walled garden it is not an open field. Not everybody can be your friend, okay? You can only have so many friends. But more importantly, not everybody should be your friend. You might find yourself in their company, a companion with fools, and that will bring you to ruin. You need to make sure that that's a wise and a righteous person you're about to make your friend. We need to make friends with those who are good for us spiritually and socially, and we need to avoid those who will make us a friend of the world. Spurgeon said this, a man is known by the company he keeps as well as the company he shuns. How true. Listen to this. Psalm 119 verse 63. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. That's a great verse. Make friends of those who fear God, who will make you fear sin, who will give you respect for eternal things, and who will walk after the counsel of God's word. They make the best of friends. But let me take you through um, some people in the book of Proverbs you need to avoid. Some people who, who cannot make a good friend. I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation, but you turn in your Bible here to Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25. Avoid the hot-tempered person. The hot-tempered person, the angry person cannot make a good friend. Listen to Proverbs 22:24. 24. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. They do not make good friends, they do not make good parents, and they do not make good spouses. We're to avoid the hot-tempered person. We're to avoid the thoughtless person. Proverbs 25 and verse 17. This is a great verse. How many of us haven't experienced this? Don't visit your neighbors too often or you'll wear out your welcome. And it's a little verse, a little practical insight. You know what? You Be sensitive. Don't be thoughtless in your friendships. And you know what? Don't make friends of those who are like that, are thoughtless, insensitive, don't know how to handle themselves, don't know when enough's enough, don't know when to bid themselves good night, so that they can enjoy your friendship the next week because you're not sick of them or they've worn out their welcome yet. Great little verse. Avoid the hot-tempered person. Avoid the thoughtless person. Avoid the loose-tongued person. Proverbs 20 verse 19, a gossip tells secrets, so don't hang around with someone who talks too much. Someone's not going to make a good friend who can keep a confidence. Because when you really become a friend to someone and you get in, you're going to learn things about them you didn't see when you first got to know them. And they're going to trust you, and they're going to tell you about their struggles. And they're going to open their hearts because they have found a friend. And we need friends. We need friends to be vulnerable and naked with. And it is to deface friendship, to take that information and share it with another person. And if you're that kind of person, you will never have friends because they will ditch you and you will get a reputation for being a gossip and a telltale. So avoid the hot-tempered, opportunistic, thoughtless, loose-tongued person. These kind of people are incompatible with God's purposes and plans for our lives. Maybe the baseball fans are familiar with this name, Casey Stengel. He was the former manager of the New York Yankees. And when Billy Martin took over the managerial of the Yankees after Stengel, he was given this piece of advice. Stengel said, Billy, on any team, there are 15 guys who will walk through a wall for you. There are five who hate you, and there are five that really don't know what they think about you. Stangle then said, when you make out your rooming list when you're on the road with the Yankees, always room your losers together. Never room a good guy with a loser. It won't spread if you keep them isolated. And the point is this. If you and I surround ourselves with spiritually positive and healthy people, you'll find your own spiritual life developed and boosted. The opposite is equally true. If you spend time with those who are theologically weak, who don't have a passion for the things of God, who don't apply God's Word to their living, their thinking, and their acting, they're going to lower your commitment and your resolve to be all that God has called you to be. So, Think about the principle of development and think about the pattern of discernment. Let me just, before I go on and make one point in the second point, I don't want to be mistaken here, and I think it needs to be said because, you know, you and I have been brought up and, and influenced by the doctrine, and it's a biblical one at that, the doctrine of separation, that there there are some things we need to separate from, there are some doctrines we need to disassociate ourselves from, and there are some people that need to be put out of the body of Christ, or there are some churches that you and I can no longer fellowship with because they have departed from the truth. But I don't want you to mistake what I've been talking about here for extreme separatism. You and I can sometimes isolate ourselves from those that we shouldn't isolate ourselves from. You know the story, don't you, of the the GRBC church member who got marooned on a desert island? And he was there for months upon months upon months until one day he noticed a plane flying overhead and he set his rescue fire. And before long, a Coast Guard helicopter was swooping down to lift him off the island. And as he got on board the helicopter, the uh, Coast Guard pilot noticed that there were three structures on the top of the hill. And he turned to the man getting on the helicopter. He says, are we leaving anybody behind? No, he says, it's just me. He says, well, how can it be you? There's three houses up there. He says, oh, he said, one of them's where I lived. The second structure is the church I go to. And the third structure is the church I used to go to. Now, some of us can be like that. We just can't get on with anybody. And when I encourage you to stay away from certain people, we are not encouraging that you and I disassociate from unsaved people. We're talking about friends. Don't misunderstand me. That kind of person I described in the book of Proverbs can't be your friend. But we're not encouraging you to separate from unsaved people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9 that that would be impossible. He encouraged them to separate from disobedient believers, but he said, I'm not encouraging you to separate from the adulterer or the swindler or the embezzler out there in the community. Joe Smoe is gonna be who he is without Jesus Christ. So don't get upset about it. Love him as your neighbor and reach him for the gospel's sake. And you and I can be friends to unsaved and unsaved people if our intention is to win them for Jesus Christ. But that only ought to be our intention because they cannot make true friends because they don't share our vision of things and they don't share our values as we find them in the Word of God. Jesus in Matthew eleven nineteen 19 was said to be a friend of sinners. But that's friendship at another level. I hope you understand that. I mean, Jesus wasn't friends with sinners the way he was with John, James, and Peter and the disciples. You and I can associate with unsaved and unsafe people as long as we're being redemptive about it and realistic about it. When I say redemptive, that is we want to win them for Christ. And when I say realistic, I mean we only realize we can go so far. That friendship can't blossom into another kind of friendship. The book of Proverbs tells you that's not wise but you can't associate with unsaved, unsaved people, as long as you're trying to reach them for Jesus Christ and not align them into that intimate circle of impact in your life. Let me just start the second thoughts, what I call the character of friendship. will cover one point. The character of friendship is love. A friend loves at all times. Friendship is stamped and shaped by love. Love is the anchor that holds friendship in place. The virtue of love and not the vice of profit and selfish gain governs biblical friendships. Friendship is about seeking the highest good of another person. And that's what love is all about. In fact, friendship teaches us how to love, doesn't it? There's that initial attraction and it's easy to love each other in those initial days of discovery and delight. But somewhere along the line, you and I are going to be challenged to be selfless, to love this person past their mistakes and their failures, their inconsistencies. And friendship will teach us how to love, and friendship needs us to learn how to love. A friend will love at all times, and I think the best way for me to show you that is to actually see it in operation. Go back with me to First Samuel eighteen. For a few moments, we're gonna look at the friendship between Jonathan and David. I think one of the greatest demonstrations of love in terms of friendship. The relationship between Jonathan and David was a quality friendship. It was strong and it was surpassing. In fact, when Jonathan died, David made a striking statement in 2 Samuel 1.26. He says that the love that he knew and had with Jonathan surpassed the love he knew with many women. This was a very strong and surpassing love between these two men. It was pure it was godly. It was biblical. In fact, without it, I don't think David would have survived the 15 years between his anointing by Samuel and his enthronement at Hebron. During those 15 years, Saul tried to kill him six times. And as Eugene Peterson says in his book on David, the love of Jonathan entered into the soul of David more than the hatred of Saul ever did. Jonathan's love for David fortified him and edified him. Here's what we read in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan, there's our word, loved him as his own soul. Verse 3, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Here's a friendship cemented by love. The book of Proverbs tells me a friend loves at all times. I wonder how David and Jonathan loved each other. I'm going to share one of the aspects of their love. Here's what it is Friends love to serve each other. Write it down, think about it. Think about your friendships. Is this what you're doing with your friends? Are you serving them? Because when Jonathan befriended David, he invited the animosity of his father. And yet he, he made a covenant with David to love him and he did it selflessly and he did it with an intention to serve God's best interests in David's life. Look at verse four of 1 Samuel 18. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. Interesting. See the significance of this. Jonathan is next in line to be king. So you can assume that what he was wearing were the insignia of power and prestige and position. That sword, that belt, that tunic represented that Jonathan was a prince, the son of Saul, next in line to be king in Israel. And yet he takes that off and he he crowns his friend, so to speak. He makes his friend feel royal. That's what friends do. They serve each other selflessly. In fact, watch this as it develops. Go over to 1 Samuel 23, a couple of chapters on. David's on the run. He's a fugitive. Saul has tried to kill him on a number of occasions. Jonathan is still his friend. Jonathan's given him inside information. Jonathan's helping David stay one step ahead of Saul. But here we have David hunkered down in the wilderness of Ziph. He's amidst a forest. He's like a frightened animal. He's being hunted And Jonathan goes out to meet him. Look at verse 17. And he goes to his friend, the friend that he loves, and he says, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And then look at these words. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Talk about a friend. I mean, Saul has groomed Jonathan to be king. Jonathan was... Attracted to David, God saw something in David. A young man with a heart after him. Jonathan saw the same thing. It became apparent to Jonathan that this was God's man and God was going to replace his father with this man. And he loved David. But that meant he was going to be shunted onto a sidetrack. That meant that he would never be king, but he was a friend. And he steps aside and he says, David, you come to the fore. And I'm going to get behind you, and I'm going to push you forward. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be anything you need me to be because I'm your friend. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve God's purposes and plans in your life. I want you to fulfill all that God has called you to be. Folks, isn't that tremendous? Is this act of self-emptying on Jonathan's part. Here's the point as we close. Those who are interested only in themselves never make good friends. If you want to test the metal of your friendship with someone, ask yourself, do they serve you selflessly? Are they excited about what God is doing in your life, even if it puts them in the shadows? Because friendship knows no jealousy. There is no desire to manipulate among friends. There's no desire to control one friend for one's own advantage. Friendship is not a means to an end. It is an avenue of loving service. Friendship is not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. That's why, as we read earlier, Proverbs condemns those who leave poor people. The man who has gifts and money, he's got plenty of friends. Why? Because they love him? No, because he's got money and gifts. And the poor man, he's deserted because he's nothing to give. That's how selfish and materialistic friendships can become in any culture, and ours included. And the Bible says, No, a friend will love you through thick and thin. When your wallet's fat or your bank balance is zero. They'll love you and they'll serve you and they'll be there to encourage you and remind you that God has not set you aside. God's got something for you yet to do and they'll serve you to that end. That's a tremendous challenge, folks, because we're growing up in a culture that prices the individual's rights over community, that prices personal choice over social responsibility, that puts goods and money ahead of relationships. Ours is a culture that loves self and pursues money, and therefore, if you and I are not careful, if you and I are not renewing our mind through God's Word and not pushing against the world that seeks to press in upon us, we will end up, instead of loving people and using things to love people, we will end up loving things and using people to get more things. That's not friendship. It's not biblical. It's not Christ-like. A friend loves at all times.
0: Love is what friendship is all about. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy, a message titled, That's What Friends Are For. And if you would like to revisit this message or share it with friends and family, you'll find it online at ktt.org. You'll also find it on the KTT app or podcast. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy in your favorite app or podcast store on your mobile device. Well, here at Know the Truth, our goal is to share the gospel with the world in need of truth. And one way we do that is by providing encouraging resources that strengthen and prepare listeners for life's inevitable storms. And this month, Philip DeCourcy has chosen a book that will give you a firsthand account on how to trust God when circumstances tell you not to. It's titled God versus Government. And this book follows two brave churches and their decisions to remain open during the pandemic despite government orders to close. This book will give believers biblical insight on what it looks like to take a courageous stand in the face of opposition. But today is the last day this resource is available. So request your copy with a gift of any amount today by calling 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you'd prefer to write, send it to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And then there's another resource we'd like you to have, and this one's free. If you're new to Know the Truth or have never contacted us before, it's titled Seven Days of Truth, Resting in God's Daily Sufficiency. Learn more at ktt.org. Now, before you go, be sure to stay up to date on upcoming events, ministry announcements, fellowship opportunities, and more. Just look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow when Philip begins the second and final part of today's message titled, That's What Friends Are For. That's Wednesday on Know the Truth.